0: Foundations.
1: And we've also heard, and I've heard this many times, that God actually exists to fulfill my dreams and aspirations. <laughs> um, I actually don't find that anywhere in Scripture.
0: Foundations. Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. With Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. In our last program, we learned that by looking at the authority of the monarch and their absolute rule over their subjects, that they gained their sovereignty from God. Therefore, they stood as a representative of God to rule over the people. Now, we can understand that, and we have examples in our own human history of both good and bad monarchs and how their subjects were expected to treat them and obey them. But what does that mean for us and our relationship with Jesus, who is himself our monarch?
1: I think that it's quite possible... In fact I believe this with my with my whole heart that in the modern western church we have a very casual relationship or attitude toward God and we we mentioned that in the last program it's almost to the point in our western culture because we live very comfortable lives in our mm. western culture and we we tend to equate material wealth comfort and blessing as being evidence that God is on our side yeah and we've also heard, and I've heard this many times, that God actually exists to fulfill my dreams and aspirations. <laughs> um, I'm, I actually don't find that anywhere in Scripture. Mm. And we, we, we kind of treat Jesus as though he's our spiritual fairy godfather who's there to fulfill our wishes. Sometimes I've even heard this described as we treat God like a, a supernatural Santa Claus who's there to give us what we want. Yeah, that's right. And that's not correct. We mentioned in the last program in John chapter 20 verses 30 to 31 that Jesus did many other signs and he performed in front of his disciples amazing things and that uh, they're not contained in the scriptures that we have and that if they wrote them all down the whole world would be filled with them. But what was written, the things that were important for us to know about him were written down so that we could believe that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the King, And that believing in his name, we would have life. And we learned um, that because he's a king, there is an expectation that we have to treat him as such and not be quite so flippant and casual. And believing actually implies that the believer who has entered into the kingdom of God is now bound to follow the orders of the king. I mean, why have a king and then... Ignore what the king yeah, says. Do your own thing. I mean, in an earthly response, it would be off with his head, yeah. you know. Um, and here's the here's one amazing scripture that we've read, but we don't often relate it as far as the king is concerned. John 3, 35 to 36 says, "...the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him." Oh, hang on a second. Our belief yeah. there is actually contingent on our obedience. Do you remember when we covered Shema? Here, O Israel.
0: I remember my great efforts at trying to say <laughs> Shema. <laughs> it was magnificent.
1: But here means obey. Mm. Not just this mental assent. Yeah. This means obey. Well, Do
0: obedience you- really is the outworking of the belief. You say Because you obey, you clearly believe. If you don't obey, then you mustn't believe.
1: Precisely. We prefer to focus on verses that say that we are the joint heirs with Christ and then proceed to wield an authority that we really shouldn't be wielding. No, we we are supposed to be obeying him, not trying to be the ones who get to be obeyed. Matthew seven twenty one says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Why would I bring this up? Well, because I want to jump down to verse 23 of Matthew, uh, Matthew 7. It says, Then I will declare to them, that is, those who gave mental assent to him and did lots and lots of works in his name, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, what things were these people practicing that Jesus said was lawlessness? This is going to sound controversial. They were prophesying in his name. They were casting out demons in his name and performing many miracles in his name. These were people who had a profession of faith in him Hmm. doing these amazing things. And his response was, depart from me, you who are workers of lawlessness. So he's considering those things lawless. I never knew you. Now, that is actually quite terrifying. Mm, It is. Now, are those things, those specific things like prophesying, casting out demons and doing miracles, are those things contrary to the Scripture? Not at all. But when you have... An attitude where you're building your own kingdom, you're building a name for yourself, you're doing all of these things, but you're not doing it with Him. You don't have a respect for Him. You have become the center of this universe. You have a name. You have a ministry. You. I've got to be careful here because I know people are going to say anybody who has a ministry in those things I'm condemning. I'm not. That's not it at all. The the point is is that. Sometimes we are so caught up in what we believe are our rights and our authorities that we are not actually obeying Christ, our king. Mm. We have become a superstar and we are doing things in his name, but... They've got nothing
0: to do with him. Well, really, a law unto yourself when you're in that situation, which is what Jesus said about exactly. lawlessness.
1: And, and here's the thing, because people say, no, that's talking about other people or maybe people of other religions. Or, they're doing these things. Scripture says they're doing them in his name. Yeah. So that's not talking about non-Christians. This is talking about Christians who claim the name of Christ. That's a, a serious message to the church we have to be so careful about what our attitude is what our manner is what a, how our, how we respect him you know there's some um, i have a number of friends who live in the united states and i've seen this in american entertainment as well but there are times when a son or a daughter will approach their father and when they approach their dad And their father speaks to them and gives them instruction around, so they'll say, yes, sir. I absolutely love that because Mm. it's showing two things, that these children have complete access to come before their father and talk to him no matter what the situation is. But when they speak to their father, they speak with deference. Mm. When they speak to their mother and their mother gives them instructions and say, yes, ma'am. I think that is beautiful, and I th- actually think it's a closer picture to how we should be respectful towards Christ than what we are. I mean, they're calling their parents sir and ma'am. Here in Australia, we call our mother and father the old cheese and the old boy. Yeah. Now, where's the level of respect? And if we can't show a level of respect to our own parents, how are we supposed to have deference and respect and a healthy fear of God if we treat Jesus like our, our, our cosmic coffee buddy mm. and and we forget that he's he's the king of the universe. Yeah. You know, I, I I I guess I'm repeating myself a little bit about why it's so incredibly important that when we are referring to Christ our King, yes, we can come boldly before him. We do have access But here's the thing. Here are some synonyms that I found from our Western dictionaries about boldness. The synonyms are brazenly, courageously, daringly, eagerly, fearlessly, dauntlessly, headlong, recklessly, venturesomely. Nothing in our dictionary shows being bold as respectfully, reverentially, Mm. deferentially. The Greek word is paresia, and it does mean that we can have confidence and to be open and without ambiguity, like I was saying in the example of American children approaching their parents. But we're talking about a sovereign God that we can come boldly before with confidence, yes, but with respect, Mm. with deference, with awe, with honour. Does he deserve honour? Look what he's done for us. Look at the extreme lengths that he went for us. Look at the love that he presents to us on our behalf so that we can be reconciled to the Father who is perfect and pure and cannot stand sin. Look what he's done for us. So when we come before him, should it be flippantly with a pat on the back and a a wink and a nod and a cup of coffee? Or should it be with respect and awe and, yes, sir, what can I do to serve you today? Because it's about you, Lord, it's not about
0: me. And it's about our obedience Absolutely that king. Well, some great thoughts there to uh, take away and chew on for quite some time, I'd say. And you can, of course, get the notes and download them to read again for yourself at vision.org.au slash foundations. Next time on Foundations, we're going to learn about being sheep.